Today, um, I asked my wife this month to come and share. We have these awesome conversations between the two of us. Uh, I can honestly tell you that I married my best friend. Amen. Um, Amen. We met in college. Oh my God, I can't believe I said it. Almost 43 years ago, wow. we met in college in 1977. Wow. Uh, we got married. Stop it. <laughs> 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 it's been a while. I mean, we're literally met as teenagers. Uh, 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 I was 18, she was 19. Yes, she's a cougar. No. <laughs> 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 This guy of the year. I'm gonna get it for that one, right? But I mean, but we, met, but I told you, we met at a very young age, 18 and 19 years old, and uh, and we didn't start off with a romantic relationship. We were friends uh, in college and all of that. But we got married four years later. Got married in '81. Got married. Met in 77, got married in 81, January of 81. And uh, since then, it's been now 39 years. In fact, we are now in our 40th year. Praise God. Amen. Amen. And out of our relationship has come three sons. Our oldest son, uh, Christopher, and his wife live in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Person and his wife's name is Antoinette. Uh, and uh, this is the oldest of the twins. This is Jonathan Mark. His twin brother, uh, David Matthew, lives in Canada. Um, and it won't be long before we'll be sending Johnny off to Canada as well. Uh, him and his brother Phil called of the Lord to work together. And so they're getting prepared for that. God has already opened up an opportunity for John to start his business. He's in, uh, he's in media arts and animation. He has a contract right now that he's working on here in Harrisburg. And after he finishes that contract, he'll be... Often, so that's why he said he can relate because he's like, when he gets there, like, where am I led? Where am I going? Right, exactly. But he knows that that's where God is sending him, and so right. we're very grateful. And uh, Carol will tell you about uh, David and Michelle and Robin and in just a bit. Uh, but I married my best friend, and we have served together in ministry um, almost all of our married life. Those first couple of years, we were just trying to be. You know, we just want to be a couple and have a life, you know, and get a house. And, you know, we thought we was just going to be, have a normal, married life. Right. <laughs> Can't even get into all that stuff. But God literally, at, at the worst point in our lives, uh, literally brought us into ministry. And we had to get it together along the way. Ours is not a perfect story, but we had to make choices and decisions. That if you're going to serve God and serve God's people, we weren't going to be decided. We're not going to be fake. So whatever help we needed, we got it. Whether it was marriage coaching, financial counseling, whatever we needed to get our lives together, we we did it because we were leading God's people. We were leading teenagers when we first started. Then it graduated up to young adults. Then we graduated up to leading uh, married couples in the church. And somehow we found ourselves overseeing numbers of ministries in our home church, uh, elevated to the point of becoming the executive or the associate pastors of the church. 
And after 17 years of serving in all these different ministries, God tricked us. <laughs> and sent us to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and we thought we would continue to do what we had been doing in the same way that we had been doing it. But when we got to Harrisburg, God pumped the brakes on that and said, no, Harrisburg has to be ministered to in a completely different way. There's already hundred something churches and thousands of ministers and millions of titles in Harrisburg. I'm going to take you there and I'm going to strip you of all of that, which he did. And you're just going to work for the state like everybody else and just be like everybody else and live life in front of people. Because one day, and that day is now arriving, one day you will stand after 15 years of living the same life as anybody else in Harrisburg and you have to be able to say, this is what we did in order to overcome all of the stuff that everybody in Harrisburg has had to deal with all of your lives. And I commend every single one of you that have been born and raised here. I tell mom she's a walking miracle. My wife is a miracle. I've never been to a place more challenging in all of my life, and we have traveled around the world. There, this, is, this is a different Please don't be offended, but this is a different place to minister because, and part of it is because of the failure of God's leaders who did not equip the body of Christ to do the work of service. A lot of people wanted the position, but they, they abused their position and their power, therefore leaving God's people defenseless against the wiles and the strategies of the enemy. But God began to raise up people right within the soil uh, leaders and he sent some of us from some from the outside and a whole new thing is happening the physical things that you see happening around Harrisburg are that's just a physical manifestation of what's happening in the spirit I know right now we're seeing streets being torn up and new construction everywhere and it's annoying and traffic is getting worse and all that but when all the mess gets settled it's gonna be a different place we're gonna have people here from all over the world We've seen them now. You're seeing more and more people all speaking differently. Now you go in giant and like, I don't even know most of the languages I hear people talk speaking. That's God doing this on purpose. But what he needed was, needed was he needs a church that's able to embrace multi-ethnic groups and multi-cultures. And we're not stuck in just one way. And we're not stuck and still hurting and, and, uh, and still wounded and bleeding when he sends these people from all over the world. I know I'm saying something that may be a little bit different, but I know that's why part of the reason why God sent us here. He didn't send us here for Chris and Carol to do that work. He sent us here. He said he gives these gifts to the body, the apostles, the prophets, the pastors, the teachers, to equip God's people to do the work of ministry. So he sent us here to equip Harrisburg to get ready for the world because they're coming. Amen. And he don't want them to go through the same thing you went through when you get here. A lot of them already coming from abusive places around the world. They're coming from tyranny, dictators. We ministered to a young lady in, uh, in the shelter who was being tormented by a demon. And, uh, and it was a curse that was put upon her. She came here from Central Africa. She had been sexually abused and then a curse put upon her that if you ever tell anybody what I did to you, then I'm gonna send this demon to attack you. 
So she got in the shelter, she starts uncovering and telling people what had happened to her, and then she got attacked. They called us, we came in, we cast out the demon, girl got free. So that's what I mean by, we gotta be ready for what's coming. Yes. So I want you to get scared when you hear that story and just say, okay, Lord, I will exalt you. You're with me, I will not fear. Amen. And part of the uh, getting you ready is what I, what my, when out of the conversation that me and my wife had, I got a lot of stuff that I say done. Just all this is to introduce my wife. I said all that to say this. Part of the equipping, because she got, she's born and raised here. This is my mother in love. It's her mom. And uh, she never thought she'd come back to Harrisburg. Uh, did you? Never thought. Once she got away, I'm like, that's it. I'm out. I'm excreet. My soul excreet like a bird out of the snare of the fowler. <laughs> but God sent her back. And sent her back with a husband and children. And, uh, and part of what has happened to her, God has given her the language and the ability to talk to family. Your family for her. This is home. So it's not God exalted her and now she came to talk to these. No, it's like I lived here and I recognized some things that the enemy has lied to us for a long time. There are a lot of lies that we've believed. And so just in a, rock, in a part of our conversation, um, uh, I, I've always, she tell you, I'm always pushing and encouraging her to share these things. She's more of a private, behind the scenes person, uh, but she's a great writer. So I've always encouraged, well, get up and read what you wrote then. <laughs> you don't have to feel like you got to talk off the top of your head like me, because I get started and need to shut up like that. <laughs> she's a writer, and that's how God put it in her. So I encourage her in the way God has gifted her to get up and read what God has, has given you to write. In fact, that's not unusual. Aren't we reading the Bible? Why? Because somebody wrote it. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Yes. Yes. So I want to just invite her. This is the love of my life, uh, Pastor Carol Green. What do you say? Okay, what I'd like, well, we'd like to start with our family, with our, the, our uh, granddaughters, uh, Robin Yvonne, she's uh, three years old, and the first daughter of our youngest twin, David um, and his wife, Michelle. They live in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Wow. Too far away from me. <laughs> um, and the newest addition is Layla Louise. Uh, who was born on the 25th of this month. Amen. 4.50 a.m., 7 pounds, 11 and a half ounces, 21 inches long. Wow. <laughs> of love. <laughs> so we're very, very proud of them. Um, and it was a home birth. She had uh, midwives to come in. Got her all set up. I mean, and they, they, know their, they knew their stuff and took care of her and, and Layla. So, very happy to have uh, our new granddaughter. Amen. 
as uh, Pastor Chris talked about um, uh, how we have a lot of uh, issues and circumstances that we are dealing with on a daily basis in our lives. Um, I thought about how the Word of God is like a prescription. It is a prescription. Mm -hmm. It's a remedy. Um, it's, it's a strategy to deal with the things that we deal with on a daily basis in every area of our lives. And so the word that I want to share with you today are, comes from a, um, a newsletter that I uh, wrote in 2016. I don't know how far I'll get in it, but I'd like to share with you some of God's prescription for what we are dealing with, his remedy, his way, his strategies for dealing with what we have to face every day. Um, and I titled it, Erasing the Lies We Believed. Um, some of the things that we are dealing with um, or that we're facing and that we're having a hard time with is because we weren't taught the word in context or we were taught superstition or we just didn't know. Um, so, I'll begin to read what I wrote. John Milton was an English poet who said, the mind is its own place and in itself can make a heaven of hell and a hell of heaven. And I thought that was a great quote, because it's true. Yeah. Depends on what we know, what we understand, um, that, that um, causes us to deal with what we have to deal with in a certain way. My husband and I are working on the front lines in Harrisburg, PA, as community life coaches. We specifically, um, right now, are working with a women's shelter, um, which has three different aspects. It has a woman's shelter. They have a women's shelter. They now have a cafe um, <coughs> catering service, and they have also bought a piece of property. Um, and these things are to help to fund the shelter instead of trying to get government funding, which is harder and harder to find. Mm -hmm. um, they're trying to be self-supporting, yeah. uh, but we're helping, we've been there helping to train their staff um, as they grow to change the mindset of just uh, from case management to just case management to actually walking through life with people. Yeah. Um, we provide practical tools for women who are trying to rebuild their lives in the midst of great devastation Part of that recovery process involves helping them see the lies that they have received and believed. There's a, uh, another part of the shelter that they have a transition, they have transitional housing for women coming out of the shelter who are trying to reestablish their lives uh, for whatever reason, having had to come to the shelter. They're uh, helping them with their, uh, but to put a budget in place, how to, um, uh, get a job, how to even go to interviews, how to interview, and, and uh, just trying to have everything, uh, wraparound services for them so that they can get reestablished in the world. Uh, and we uh, actually minister, are able to, they've given us the opportunity to, to speak to them and to encourage them on a monthly basis. So, um, so over these uh, next few minutes, we're going to expose the thoughts that many of us believe were truths, thoughts we built our lives upon, 
that are really lies that the enemy has tricked us to believe. Thoughts that caused us to be unhappy, unloving, and unsuccessful. We have all experienced varying degrees of difficult issues. And with each issue and situation, we established a personal belief or thought system. We came to a conclusion because of things that have happened to us. Um, we might think, I don't know why that happened. Maybe I did something that caused this to happen. We come up with a conclusion because of things that, that's happened. Uh, if that thought system or belief is not based on the word of God, uh, verbatim or in principle, we run the risk of inadvertently accepting a lie about what happened in the situation or about ourselves or someone else. In 2004, uh, Chris and I went through a lay counseling certificate program uh, from the Center for Biblical Counseling, which is a division of the American Association for Christian Counselors. One of the professors, one of my favorite ones, Dr. Chris Thurman, is a psychologist who wrote a book titled The Lies We Believed. And Dr. Thurman states that our brain is like a video recorder. Think about that. You you remember yeah. things that's happened, and it plays. Sometimes it just plays right. in your mind. Yeah. So our brains are like a video recorder. Mm -hmm. It can both record and play back thousands of tapes at a moment's notice. These tapes hold all the beliefs, attitudes, and expectations that we have recorded during our lives. One of the tapes of my life began with the separation of my parents. When my parents separated, I didn't feel as though it was my fault, but I did feel like I was supposed to help somehow. I was 12 years old. Um, I thought if I could find out why it happened, then maybe I could help them get back together. That was my thinking. I'm a firstborn, um, and I, I tended to take things on myself. I took the responsibility on. Uh, so I asked my dad why they separated. He felt as though my mom should have supported him more uh, by getting a job instead of staying at home and raising the children. It was one of those things that they never talked about before they got married. So they had very different expectations um, and the enemy took advantage of them both. I watched as my mother withdrew within herself. Uh, my oldest, and we all had different responses to what happened. Um, my oldest brother uh, responded in anger. My youngest brother withdrew into a world of his own. God in his faithfulness to my family had given the opportunity of salvation just before my parents' separation, which my mother and I both received. So God in his faithfulness to us, came into our lives just before this happened. I came away from the separation and eventually the divorce of my parents with a fear that I would do something that would somehow cause my husband and me to eventually divorce. The response to that painful situation created a fear-filled tape that played over and over again in my head. Um, we would have conversations. Um, there would be a disagreement. 
And instead of my, me trying to communicate my viewpoint or how I felt about it, how I saw about it, I would just shut down. I would shut up. I would not give my point of view because I didn't want to do anything that would cause us to separate. The reasoning and conclusions we adopt from painful, painful situations must be subjected to God's viewpoint. We must bring every perception or every tape into submission of Christ. Second um, Corinthians 10, uh, 5. We must recognize that this spiritual war began in our minds. We must identify every thought that is hostile to God and subjected to the truth which only God can give. The key to freedom, health, and wholeness is to unearth the lies we have believed about the situations we have experienced. It may be hard work, but we can live in the truth of what happened in any situation that has occurred in life. The lie tapes will try to play, but we must choose not to listen to them by recording over the lies with the truth that has been exposed by the Holy Spirit through the word of God. Amen. And this is only one of the powerful tools that we give to our, our life coaching clients, and we offer it to you today. Amen. The next thing I would like to talk about is pressing past perfectionism. Again, I'm a firstborn, so, and I, I call myself a recovering perfectionist. Because <laughs> there are times when I still have to pull myself away from or stop playing the tapes up, the tape over and over again. And why did I do that? I should have done tape. I have to turn the tape off. Now that I've talked about uh, the lies we believe, we are going to take the time to expose the lie regarding perfectionism. What exactly is perfectionism? Dr. David Burns, a psychiatrist who is a leading expert on the subject, offers a good answer. Um, and he says, I do not mean the highly healthy pursuit of excellence by men and women who take genuine pleasure and striving to meet high standards. Without concern for quality, life would seem shallow. True accomplishment would be rare. The perfectionists I am talking about are those whose standards are high beyond reach or reason. People who strain compulsively and unremittingly toward impossible goals and who measure their self-worth entirely in terms of productivity and accomplishment. There are many of us who struggle with feelings of inadequacy, not quite measuring up to not only our own standards, but to the standards of our parents, teachers, professors, bosses, co-workers, and fellow believers, uh, specifically those people, that, people that, whose opinion we actually care about. We spend time comparing our results to the results of those we admire and respect or putting expectations on ourselves that are unrealistic. We take on duties or responsibilities that aren't ours in order to feel <laughs> valued. Some of us even take on a purpose that was not God-given in order to fulfill an unrealized dream 
of a loved one that we didn't want to disappoint. When we make mistakes or don't measure up to the standards of perfection that we have set for ourselves, an unhealthy take begins to play. We press replay, going over the mistakes again and again in our minds. We find ourselves using phrases like, how could I have been so stupid? We find ourselves thinking that we should have known better as we start mentally beating ourselves up, asking how we could have forgotten that detail. And again, I admit to being a recovering perfectionist, um, before going full-time in our own business, I worked for um, a state government agency. Um, I worked for the Board of Review who handled unemployment compensation um, cases, uh, people who were disputing their, uh, uh, their unemployment checks. Um, I, had a good, I had good experience for a number of years before I took a new position after I took the new position for nearly a year, I worked as an administrative assistant for a gentleman who was easygoing and personable. Then he suddenly retired and I was assigned to a new person, a woman who had a re reputation of being very difficult to work for, who was a perfectionist with very unrealistic expectations of her administrative assistants. And this turned out to be true in my own life and working with her. Uh, life became unbearable. Literally, there were nights where I, I couldn't even sleep. I was so stressed. My hair began breaking off. I mean, it was, I was that stressed. I couldn't sleep. I, I felt like I couldn't do anything right. Um, Later, I found out uh, she was on medication because she had HD, um, HDD. She was ADD. ADD. She was ADD, along with being a perfectionist. She was known for this, had a reputation for this of not being able to keep people, and that's this is who I had to work for. Wow. Yeah. I also saw that she was overcompensating for her chemical imbalance. She knew she had it. She knew she was a perfectionist, and she tried to rein it in, but she couldn't. Again, I would lay at, wake at nights, countless nights, stressing and dreading having to go into work the next day. I was constantly fighting not to play the perfectionist tape over and over again in my mind. I knew God wasn't expecting me to be perfect. He was expecting me to handle the situation maturely and I had done the best I could in that regard. My boss unrealistically expected me not to make any mistakes. I was in a position where I had to choose not to fixate on the fact that I could not meet the unrealistic expectations of a person who was overcompensating for their own personal challenges. Even though I tried not to fixate on my inability to meet the unrealistic expectations, I just couldn't completely do so. It still got me from time to time. Mm -hmm. It is said to err is human. <laughs> the Bible says it this way in Romans 3, 21 through 23. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God 
through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. First John 1 John 1.8 says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. The basic definition of sin is missing the mark. So 1 John 1.8 paraphrase says, If we say that we do not miss the mark, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. The goal is to understand that perfectionism is harmful to us and to those around us. Yeah, because I really wasn't easy to live with either during that time. <laughs> we must understand that God is not a God of perfectionism. He is not demanding flawless performance from us. He would be violating his own word where he spoke through the Apostle Paul, who admonished fathers not to exasperate their children. Exasperation is the result of placing unrealistic expectations on them. We can never reach God's standard on our own anyway. Christ met the standards on the cross. We must have a genuine reliance on Christ and live a lifestyle of heartfelt trust in him rather than ourselves. Amen. Amen. Okay. The next uh, lie I would like to talk about is pressing past people pleasing. Yes, we're going to <laughs> deal with the thought that we must have everyone's love and approval. This thought is connected to a desire to please people. It can cause us to change how we respond to people in any given situation. We will behave in one manner with a certain person or group and then change our behavior to fit with another person or group. This people-pleasing behavior causes us to put our own well-being in the hands of others. This lie also gives power to those with whom we live, work, and socialize who thrive on people-pleasers. These are people who easily manipulate people-pleasers to gain power over them. They will gladly exercise that power over them. For people who have a drive to please others, they can open themselves to abuse. They can eventually become resentful because after all of their efforts, they still can't please everyone. And this can lead to them becoming some pretty bitter human beings. Uh, when I was a, I was in a, in a junior in high school, I walked to and from school with a particular group of girls. But one of them simply did not like me. Um, that, um, for any reason that I knew of. Uh, she would make fun of me on the way to school and on the way home. And the things that she would say was hurtful. It also hurt that no one else in the group would defend me. At first, I tried to ignore her because it didn't make any sense to me since I had done nothing to hurt her. I'd never said anything about her. And actually, I didn't really know her well enough to, to say anything about her or do anything to her. I tried to make her like me by buying candy 
to share with her, but she would not accept it. It was a no-win situation. There was nothing I could do to make her accept me, and the other girl's lack of response showed that I wasn't really accepted by them either. I finally chose to walk to school with another group of girls who were um, like me, who were Christians, who loved God, um, and we had fun together. We like actually liked each other. I learned at that time and in the following years that there is always going to be someone who chooses not to accept or approve of me no matter what I do. We must have the courage to be ourselves and recognize that when someone does not accept us, that it's their issue, not ours. The disapproval of people is not a problem that can be fixed by trying to change ourselves to fit their expectations. It's the other person's responsibility to take the time to find out who we are in order to make an informed decision about us. Of course, it's easier said than done, <laughs> but having the approval of people who choose to reject us isn't worth becoming divided within your own self and living a life without integrity. Integrity is defined as doing the right thing in a reliable way, uh, to be complete or undivided. One of the traits most of us like about people of integrity is that they are real. Amen. In any given situation, they never change their personality and can be relied upon to say and live out what they really feel or think. <laughs> Noted psychologist and author, Dr. Chris Thurman said in his book, The Lies We Believe, what does it profit to gain the whole world's approval and lose our own souls. Amen. There is a saying, you can't please all of the people all of the time. Amen. Galatians 1.10 says, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bond servant of Christ. In other words, whoever you seek to please, you tend to focus on them. Therefore, you will be controlled by them. Do you want to be under the controlling influ influence of a loving God or by the whims of certain people whose approval we desire? Mm -hmm. A big part of our growth and success in life will be the ability to press past people pleasing. Mm -hmm. Colossians 3, 24, 20, uh, 23, 24 says, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord yeah. and not to men, knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Amen. 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 Just to recap, we are exposing the lies that we believe that hinder our ability to fulfill God's purpose for our lives. Now let's talk about how to press past procrastination. <laughs> We're going to expose the lie that it's easier to avoid problems than to face them. <laughs> I was a, a professional procrastinator. A professional. Psychiatrist Scott Peck noted in the book, The Road Less Traveled, fearing the pain involved, almost all of us, to a greater or lesser degree, 
attempt to avoid problems. We procrastinate hoping that they will go away. We ignore them, forget them, pretend they do not exist. We attempt to get out of them rather than suffer through them. This tendency to avoid problems and the emotional suffering inherent in them is the primary basis of all human mental illness. Um, and that's a, that's a profound, profound revelation that this tendency toward procrastination is the primary basis of mental illness. There are those of us who would prefer problems to just go away or have someone else deal with the issues we face on a daily basis. We know the problem won't disappear, so we hide our head in the sand like the ostrich. Something happens to us on a deep emotional and mental level as we try to avoid issues. Problems don't go away just because we choose not to face them. As most of us know, they worsen and grow until we, until we deal with them. Yeah, and again, I was a professional procrastinator in my 20s. <laughs> it usually occurred when someone asked me to do something that I didn't really want to do and I just didn't know how to say so. I didn't want the requesting person to be angry with me, so I put off making my true feelings known. I would avoid the person or avoid their phone calls until I could no longer put it off. Of course, the person would end up being angry with me anyway, because I could have just said how I felt when they asked in the first place. Making a decision or responding quickly to a request was something I had to start learning to do in time. I know firsthand why it is so important that we must live as examples before our children by facing our problems. It teaches them how to face their problems. We can't run from our problems because they're difficult. Each day has enough problem, but problems of its own, and these problems can blow up in our faces if we don't deal with them as they happen. Those who avoid their problems usually end up with those problems becoming more complicated and harder to solve. Those who face their problems each day save themselves a great deal of unnecessary suffering by working on and resolving the issues. The truth is, problems usually get worse when avoided, but handling issues as they arise say, uh, again, saves you unnecessary pain and aggravation. And your children will learn to avoid unnecessary pain and aggravation by watching how you handle your problems. Dr. Chris Thurman, author of the book, The Lies We Believe, expressed that he is concerned that far too many parents damage their children by rescuing them from facing their problems. He calls it misguided love. Empowered by this lie that life is easier if you avoid problems. We can leave our children ill-prepared to face life if we don't train them to be forthright in confronting problems. We have seen many young adults through our years of ministry who were not prepared for real life because their parents bailed them out of troubles in order to avoid the consequences that their child's decisions were bringing upon the entire family. One of the observations my husband and I have made about this present generation is that they have 
no intestinal fortitude. They can't take anything. There's nothing been built inside of them that helps them to deal with the pressures of everyday life. They don't have the mental and emotional strength and endurance to work through problems and see things through to the point of resolution. As we were raising our sons in what the Bible refers to as the way they should go, there were many times when we had to allow them to face the consequences of their decisions, even when those consequences inconvenienced the entire household. We did not try to shield them from what was happening in the world, especially in a world filled with fear, misunderstanding, and hatred against young black men. We had three sons, three young black men in this world. We gave them God's point of view concerning what was happening, not only in their lives, in their circle of influence, but in the world at large, so that it would not seem so overwhelming to them. No, they weren't always happy about this direct approach. But they would have told us how much, but they have told us how much they have come to appreciate the way they were raised. In fact, uh, one of my sons, uh, our younger son, David, who's in Canada, uh, uh, said to me um, one Mother's Day, um, he said, thank you, Mom, for your guidance and support through so many annoying and ignorant phases in my life. You're the best. <laughs> and that was worth a million bucks. That was platinum yes. to me, to hear my son say that to me. We had to be forthright and direct. The problems were not going to go away. We took the raising of African-American men and God's purpose very seriously. We raised them to have their dependence on God. Uh, of course, the conversations were always age appropriate, so as not to discuss an issue they weren't ready for. But we weren't afraid to discuss the hard, ugly, and dangerous, dangerous, dangerous yes. realities of life. Amen. When parents make a habit of rescuing their children from problems, the child does not have the chance to develop the appropriate coping skills they'll need for handling life later on. The child has the potential of turning into an adult who is incompetent, lacks confidence, and constantly looks to other people to solve their problems. And we see a lot of that. By pressing past procrastination ourselves, we established a pattern in our family that has helped our sons have confidence to face the issues of life, knowing they have the provision of God the Father and their parents' support. Philippians 3, 13 through 14 says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We must press past the procrastination inclinations that will cause us even greater hardship while trying to reach the goal of the prize of God's calling, purpose, and destiny for our lives and families. Again, as most of you know, we are ministering on the front lines in Harrisburg as community life coaches. Um, 
And God has been using this aspect of our ministry to provide practical tools for people who are trying to rebuild their lives in the midst of great devastation. Um, part of that recovery process involves helping them see the lies that they have received and believe. We have been presenting uh, you several quotes from Dr. Chris Thurman, author of the book, The Lies We Believe. Um, and he categorizes the lies we believe, we believe as uh, self-lies, there are worldly lies, there are marital lies, there are distortion lies, and there are religious lies. So far, I've been speaking from the category of self-lies. We expose the thoughts that many of us believed were truths, thoughts we build our lives upon, that are really lies that the enemy has tricked us to believe, thoughts that cause us to be, again, unhappy, unloving, and, uh, and or unsuccessful. Let's talk about the warping lies of worldly lies. These are things that we hear every day in the news, on TV, commercials, um, on our jobs, even amongst our own family members. Uh, Soren Kierkegaard, a Danish philosopher, states, the truth must essentially be regarded as in conflict with this world. The world has never been so good. It will never become so good that the majority will desire the truth. That's a truth. Wow. Dr. Chris Thurman shares some very strong views on popular media as he introduces the worldly lies. He says, advertisements, television shows, movies, magazines, music, self-help books, shout messages at us such as, grab all the gusto, look out for number one, do your own thing. If it feels good, do it. Your feelings are your best guide. You deserve to be happy. My husband and I have been appalled about the prescription drug commercials. Of course, they begin with what the medication is designed to do to help someone. But then the rest of the presentation is about the seemingly endless list of negative side effects of the medication. Yes. It is yes. so scary. Yes. It's simply bizarre that one of the side effects usually includes some of the symptoms that the medication is supposed to relieve. So what is the truth about the drug? Hmm. It's amazing that there are people who believe everything they read in a newspaper, as if the articles are written by people who aren't imperfect human beings, biased by their own opinions and agendas. People actually believe that all these reality TV shows are actually real. They don't see the obvious that the scenes are staged and arranged to make the storylines more interesting to the audience. As we go about our daily lives, we are so busy that we start to believe that all of the news presentations, the reality TV shows, and the popular talk shows, as if though these celebrities know best how we should live our lives and deal with life's challenges. Even some believers tend to follow these worldly views more faithfully and willingly than the word of God. We now have believers adopting worldly quotes 
And instead of denying self, taking up our crosses, and following Christ, the motto is a bold and self-promoting claim of, do you. Do you, boo. Do you. <laughs> we must stop and think about these heart-warping effects from the lies of the world. How many of the subjects presented by the world are coming from a place of integrity? Many of the world's viewpoints, viewpoints are dangerous and hinder us from having a healthy mental and emotional well-being. Regrettably, there are many who are so indoctrinated in the world's viewpoint that the true harmful nature of these viewpoints are not recognized. They are seen as harmless and entertaining. Uh, Dr. Chris Thurman reminds us concerning the analogy of the frog and water metaphor. And it goes like this if you've never heard it before. If you drop a frog in boiling water, it will immediately jump out because it can tell quite clearly the danger it is in. Yet, if you put a frog in room temperature water and slowly heat the water until it is boiling, the frog will remain in the water and boil to death. Yeah. <laughs> a frog adjusts to small changes in the water's temperature over time until it loses its life for having done so. And this is the society in which we live. Worldly belief systems have been added to the TV shows we watch, the advertisements we absorb, the music we listen to, the books we read or listen to, school books, games, etc. Every aspect of society has been indoctrinated with a viewpoint that dismisses God as irrelevant. Amen. What's even more dangerous is that these destructive belief systems have been added to our daily lifestyles. The outcome of accepting these worldly lies is that our lives are now filled with unhealthy emotional and mental instabilities, self-centered living, and selfish behavior. For instance, I see this strong selfish mindset as the foundation that leads to deadly car accidents because people refuse to stop texting and driving. Oh, that so irritates me. I see, I see a person driving in there. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. uh, really? Right. Uh, they don't even have enough. I mean, you don't care about your own life? Right. Sit. And, and so since you, you don't care about yours, you certainly don't care about mine. Right. So, uh, it's, a, it's a big... <laughs> yeah. Their impulse to text is more important than anything else right. and anyone else. Yeah. You can see this warped mindset in husbands and wives who are having relationships with people outside of their marriage. I see the worldly lies as the foundation and abuse of every kind. Hatred, jealousy, selfish ambition, envy, murder, and the way it seems that people are not able to distinguish between what is good and what is evil. The truth is God sent his only son to die for us in order that we could have life and have life more abundantly. He has given us everything we need pertaining to life and godliness. God has made hope and a future available to us, but we have to choose to believe it and receive it. God's kingdom and the way his kingdom is ordered is diametrically opposed to the way the world lives and believes. Yeah. 
Which belief system will you choose to follow? Will you follow the worldly belief systems that are fraught with and led by selfish human beings and their personal agendas? Or will you choose to be a kingdom citizen and receive the benefits of an abundant life? We are teaching and coaching our clients how to turn away from the worldly lies so they can have an opportunity to become rich beyond monetary value. Yeah. So in conclusion, two keys to effectively, effectively deal with the lies. Number one, reject every belief that contradicts the word of God. And number two, honor God with our obedience to his word. God bless you guys. Amen. Thank Amen. you. Amen. I want her to continue that next month. Amen. <laughs> Amen. That's just the beginning. Just to have more to go. Wasn't that awesome? Yes. Yes. And sometimes you can feel, I was thinking as you were talking, mm -hmm. there are certain old wives' tales and things that have been passed down ancestrally, you know, from all the way back to Africa. And it makes us, sometimes we can feel like I'm being disrespectful or, to, a my, traitor, or, or a traitor to my people if I let that go, if I let certain things that they told me go. But if it's not of God, I have to let it go. Amen. It's not helping. It's, it's not helping me. It may maybe the rest of the family will feel great about it, about me doing what we've always done, but it's not helping. Uh, and I, I love this. I, I when you were talking about perfectionism, uh, I thought about uh, how in our churches many of us have been quoted the word of God. You know about uh, be perfect, for I am perfect. But that's but be perfect as I am perfect. God wasn't talking about perfectionism. First of all, in that context, uh, the word perfect w uh, wasn't talking about performing and doing things uh, flawlessly. Uh, Jesus was speaking from the context of, of his, uh, he said, uh, love your enemies. Pray for those that, uh, that rightfully use you. And so in that context, he said, be ye perfect, because your father is perfect. What was he talking about? God loves, God's love was unconditional. So the word perfect in that sense was talking about do things without providing, putting conditions on it. It was, so be perfect in your love, just like this. be unconditional. Don't, don't put uh, uh, requirements on it. Well, I'll forgive you after you get yourself together. <laughs> you can, no, be perfect. The way Father is perfect, He loves everybody. His love is unconditional to everybody. So just like the Father perfectly loves people, unconditionally loves people, now be like that. That's what that was always about. How many of you have been told, "Be perfect like your Father"? That now you and now I'm trying to never make a mistake. That's perfectionism, and that would be exasperating. That's why I said told fathers, don't exasperate your children. Don't get them to the point where it's like, I ain't no way in the world I can do this. How many of you, do not have to raise your hand, but how many of you have been grown up either in a family or a church or a job where they were expecting perfection out of you? 
to never get anything wrong. And, and unfortunately, in all three settings, as soon as you make a mistake, you're kicked out. You may not be kicked out physically out of the house, but for a while, you're kicked out emotionally. Ain't nobody gonna speak to you for the next <laughs> two or three weeks or months or in some families, years. Because you violated the family code. In a business setting, then you know, you get demerit, so you're not gonna get a raise, so you're not gonna get a promotion because of whatever mistakes you made. And when it comes to God, then we just tell people, you ain't saved. Because <laughs> his word says, be ye perfect. But that ain't what it meant. And that's why we, you hear us, Caroline, constantly talking about teaching scripture in context. Because you can inadvertently teach a lie. Not even knowing it. I'm not even saying pastors are all out lying to people. I'm saying because they didn't get the training. That they needed so that they could rightly divide the word of truth. Remember, Paul told Timothy, you have to be able to rightly divide the word. And if you don't rightly divide the word, you'll give people a lie and have them trying to live something that that's not what God was talking about. And it brings harm. And they end up feeling exasperated. Um, we were just on someone's talk show just the other day, and a gentleman asked, uh, how come young people aren't coming to church? And I said that. I said, because we're not speaking in a language that they understand. You have need to be able to break down the word in a language that they understand. If you don't, they're going to come here, hear us using all these these and vows and hitherits and saying praise God every other phrase. I'm not saying there's something wrong with that. But when you're coming from the outside and everything I say is, Okay, praise God. I want to have my wife praise God to come up here and to have some words, praise God. And that, that throws people off when they're coming from the outside. I'm like, why don't you just say what you're going to say? So, so put it in language that they understand. This is my wife, Carol. We've been married for almost 40 years. I'm going to have her come up and have some words. They go, oh, okay, I can understand that. That's what we mean. And that's what God is moving us all into. So... I'm just, it's just amazing to us as we are exposing, not people, please hear us clearly. We're not trying to expose pastors and ministries. We're exposing the enemy. Yes. Yes. Because his way of operating in Harrisburg has been to work to promote ignorance. My people perish for a lack of knowledge. So if he can keep us not knowing, then we keep dying. And then we're wondering why. Because I'm doing what they told me. I'm quoting what they said, quote. And then we go to God and we're laying in the bed at night and going, why isn't it working? Am I being real, y'all? Anybody ever done that? Say, God, how come this isn't working? They told me to turn around and touch three people and... <laughs> touch three people and say, this is my year. This is my year. This is my year. And I touched three people and 10 people and 12 people. I done slapped high fives. And I done turned around five times. I've done all of it and didn't nothing happen. And some of you can even testify, it only got 
worse. We're just those kind of people. I'm like, when something's not working, I'm going to God and say, okay, why isn't this working? Because I know that you're faithful. So what is it that we're not? What are we missing? What, am I missing? what don't we not understand? We've had to. We've been through two foreclosures, two evictions, car repossession, loss of jobs, uh, loss of loved ones, loss of loved ones, <coughs> just like everybody else. And I, and each time, I'm sure you you, you come to that place and you're like, God, what's up? See, raise your eyebrows. All y'all look good with me. What's up? I quoted, I spoke, I said, I did, I confessed, I fasted, I prayed, I slung oil. <laughs> and it's still, this happened. And so God has used my wife to share with us in a very special way, get to the lies. And so, Lord, we want your truth. So right now in this moment, let's do these two things. I reject every belief that contradicts what your word is right now. Amen. I reject them all, Lord. I reject everything. Even if it's family traditions, some of you know, I, I can't speak to that. You would know what things get got passed down in your family and that you know was against the word of God. But because of family pressure, you went along with it anyway. But now... Uh, just confess to the Lord now, Lord, I, 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 I repent. Forgive me, Lord, for going along with what the family said instead of sticking to what your word said. That's right. Just, Lord, I want your way. Your way. Thank you, Lord. When it comes to the people-pleasing, uh, friends and family members that will not accept you, We'll continue. Don't don't let that hinder you another day. Make up your mind today. I'm going on. I'm moving on. Yeah. Because like you can't make them accept you. You can't make them believe you. You can't make them trust you. You can't. So just let them go. And I, I'll dare say this: for some of us, the moment you let them go, something's going to change inside of you. And then you're going to be able to become fully the person that you need to be. And it just might lead to them coming back. Because what they're rejecting is, part of what they're rejecting is who you are today. But if you let them go, God can now make you who you need to be. And guess what? You might be then who you need to be for them. So let them go. Tear up the debt. But Lord, they owe me money. This is going to be a tough one. Some of you got family members that owe you money. Cancel the debt, y'all. I'm telling you, cancel the debt. Some of them owe you an apology. Some of them owe you money. Cancel it. Watch God. Watch God. Watch what he will do for you. Watch him. It's part of what's been holding up that promise that we slapped high fives and touched somebody about and slung the oil. And it can be just simply let them go. They don't have to give me the money back. They don't have to give me the time back. They don't have to give me nothing back, Lord. I just let them go. Release them. Thank you, Lord. So you can make me all that you want me to be and who you want me to be. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 
or where I've been procrastinating, things you've been nudging me about to get it done, Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. Some of you, Carol didn't say this part, but this I know about her. Sometimes her procrastination was simply because she didn't know what to do. And some of you are like that. If you don't know what to do, you keep putting it off because you don't even know where to start. The phone call that you need to make, the first steps that you need to make to do this, do this. It could be everything from an application for a job or position. Like, well, I don't know, I don't know. So you keep putting it off. Some of you guys put in your heart to write, to write your book, write your story. You keep putting it off. And I bet, I don't know how I'm going to get it published. I don't know who's going to do the book cover. You ain't going to worry about all that. Just write. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> get it out. Get it out. I don't know who's going to distribute it. That, that ain't your part. Your part is just go ahead and write. I don't know who I'm saying this to, but you need to go ahead and do Right. Right. Stop procrastinating. Go ahead and do whatever it is that God has put upon your heart. Do your part first. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Some of you, you may be on the other side of the people-pleasing thing. There may be some people who are trying to please you, and you've been rejecting them. We always got to go both sides. Huh? Yes, we right. always remember, yeah, I'm going to let them go. Now go to the other side. There are some people that you've been held in a prison, and you're making them jump through hoops to please you. So right now, repent, Lord. I, I see it, Lord. I see where there are some people, they've been jumping through hoops trying to please me, trying to get my attention, trying to get me to accept them. And I've been rejecting them because I don't like their personality. They talk too much. <laughs> so this is the other side, y'all. We got to be real. Because sometimes we're wondering why things aren't happening. So this is the other side. So, Lord, help me in my heart to see them for who they really are. Change this question that you've been asking about them. You, you, certain people you looked at and the way they act and you've been saying, what's wrong with them? What's wrong with them? Change the question to this. What happened to them? What happened to you? What happened? The reason why they act like that, the reason why they talk so much. <laughs> The reason why they have such a bad attitude or they so moody. Now ask, what I wonder what happened to them. Holy Spirit, you don't have to show me what happened, but help me to understand. Help me to understand who they really are. What's going on? Thank you, Lord. I don't want to live in the lie anymore. Thank you, Lord. Now number two, let's honor God. Uh, with our obedience to his word. In fact, that's why we're going even going through this prayer because this is what you do in obedience to his word. Thank you, Lord. I acknowledge my part. My part. There's always two sides in the stories when there's relationship breakups and, and misunderstandings and everything. Don't ever walk away from a misunderstanding or, or conflict with somebody saying, it's all them. Yeah, I'll clear my throat on that one. <laughs> it's all them. Misunderstandings goes both ways. And I mean that. Misunderstandings goes both ways. Even if they did wrong, you still could have misunderstood. 
where they were coming from, even if they were wrong. What I've learned is, what I what I've learned is this: is uh, uh, sometimes we narrow it down to right and wrong, but when you learn to listen for understanding, it gives you the ability to do what God has done for us. When Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, that comes from a place of God understanding human beings. So I can forgive them because they thought they know. Did you know that people don't know what they don't know? Amen. Amen. They don't know what they don't know. So you can be angry at them for what they did to you, but people don't know what they don't know. Because if they knew, if they had a known, who you really was. But they didn't know who you were. They didn't know who you were, why God put them in your life. That's what I mean. They didn't know the value and the treasure that you were, that God wanted to make them to you. They don't know that when they cut off that relationship with you, that was their loss. It wasn't just you lost, they lost. Isn't this a greater way to understand and see? Amen. So right now, Lord, I obey your word. Choose to walk in forgiveness. Thank you, Lord. Choose to release them. Thank you, Lord. And I release myself. I'm not going to hold myself with this perfectionism thing. How about this? I don't want to wallow in what I should have, could have, ought to have done. I did what I knew at the time. I mean, you know, if I had known it better, I would have done better. But I didn't know. So don't you know God ain't holding it over your head what you didn't know? That's that perfectionism that does that. You should have. You could have. I'm like, I didn't know. So let yourself go. That's what, that's what, that's what Chris and Carol are saying now. Forgive yourself. Anybody need to hear that today? Forgive yourself. Thank you. And here's the last one. Release God. Release God? What do you mean by that, Pastor Chris? <laughs> you know that thought that, God, you could have. I prayed and you could. All you had to do, God, was just. <laughs> well, we're being real with y'all. When, when you go through foreclosure and evictions and all you had to do, because you there was an example in the word where you just told your disciples to go fish, and there was money in the fish. But all you had to do, I could have gone out in the backyard and found money in the dumpster, Lord. I see on Facebook people find a bag full of money. God, how come? <laughs> Oh, this is funny today, but come on, release God. Okay, Lord, I release you. And all of the accusations that I've had in my heart against you because I felt like you could have handled it differently. I felt like you shouldn't have let this happen to me. You shouldn't have let this person hurt me like that. You shouldn't have let this family betray me like that. You shouldn't have let this job fire me like that. You shouldn't have let me get evicted. You shouldn't have let my car get repoed. God, I, you should. You, 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 you. So I release you, God. You are sovereign. You are God. 
places where I was reaping what I sold, I just say, I submit. Yes. Yes, Lord. Yes. Your word is true. I mean, you found that to be true. You really do reap what you sow. Oh, yes. So, Lord, sometimes you was letting me reap what I sowed. And I wanted you to make me the exception to the rule. Come on, let's be honest. I was reaping what I sowed, but I was praying and hoping you would let me be the exception. Remember when David committed adultery with Bathsheba and they had the baby was born and the child died and David was fasting and praying, hoping that God would change his mind. But when God let it go down, like he said he was, what did David do? He didn't kick a tantrum and get mad. He just, the Bible says, he worshiped. Yeah. So where things have gone down as a result of our decisions, come on, everybody in the room just say, yes, Lord, do like David did. You are God. Thank you, Lord. That's right, I trust you. Can't you just feel all that stuff coming out of you? Just, I'm, I'm free, I'm free. It frees me. It gives me back my faith. Now I don't have to approach the next situation wondering if God's going to come through or not. Because now I got a better understanding of what's been going on. Bless you, Lord. Come on, bless the Lord.